Hello. Hi. My name is Bernie. And my name is Yasmin. And you're listening to the Fashion Football Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Uh, we just wanted to come on here before the episode starts to let you know to give us a review and to subscribe. Definitely subscribe. If you didn't hear it for the first time, subscribe. We'll say it again. Subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure to follow us on our socials. That is at Yes, Isaya on Instagram. And King Bernie with two E's at the end. And of course, the podcast page, which is the Fashion Football Podcast. We made it easier for you. And as always, everything will be in the description below. Right. So we're making it hella easy for y'all. Just click the description down below. Once you're done listening to this, get us on all the socials. Yes. And give us a follow and come join the family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. Bye. Bye, y'all. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Fashion Football Podcast. It is Bernie. Um, Unfortunately, today, Yasmin is not here, but you guys will hear from her very soon. Today, I'm having a discussion with Kaiza. Her and I kind of know each other from Instagram, and I'm, I'm a big fan of hers, and I'm really excited to talk to her. And for you guys to hear what she has to say. Thanks so much for having me, Bernie. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Kaisa, and I am a content creator and fashion creative and digital marketer in the fashion industry as well. So I'm really excited to to be here today. How did you get into the content creation world? It honestly kind of happened organically for me when I was living on my own in Ottawa. When I first moved in with my boyfriend, we got a really cute little small basement apartment, but it was in a really trendy neighborhood. And I started to explore the neighborhood more since I was a student, but I was also working at the time. And I honestly just fell in love with Ottawa. I didn't explore much of Toronto when I was growing up. So I really fell in love with the city life. Like it was my first time experiencing that. And I saw other people share on Instagram. So I kind of started to share more curated posts about the city on Instagram and it slowly translated from that into fashion. So when you started creating content, was it specifically like fashion or was it something else and you kind of transitioned into fashion? It was more just kind of to capture pretty an aesthetic moment. So I, I loved capturing Ottawa in a light that I kind of saw it in because I felt like a lot of people living there didn't see it in that light. And people were very surprised to hear what I had to say about it. So it kind of started in that light. And then I had a natural love for fashion. So it kind of organically shifted to kind of me showing my outfits. And then once I realized there was a huge niche for fashion, and I started to talk to some people and network with some fashion bloggers, I really kind of saw that being a natural good fit for me and something that I really wanted to try to do next. So I just started showing my outfits more. And then it kind of organically happened that I started working with brands through Instagram. How did you get into fashion? Because I know for me, it was very younger. Same thing for Yasmin. It was both like at a young age and then it kind of one thing led to another. Um, So what was like your first, I don't know, I think I had like a, a moment for context. So when I was younger, I was always sketching and drawing stuff. And then I had like a moment that was like, I actually saw myself in fashion so I think it was the 2016 or 2014 Oscars and Lupita Nyong'o walked the carpet in this beautiful baby blue dress. She had short hair and she was wearing this like head metallic headband and I was like wow like I just I just like saw her and I was like 
birds were singing, like bunnies jumping around. Like it was, it was like a big moment. And I think my mom saw that in my face. And then she ended up buying me a similar dress. Well, not really similar, but it was like similar color. And then she found like a headband that was similar. Stop, that's so sweet. <laughs> I love that for and you. <laughs> I had just cut my hair short and I was, I was kind of feeling like a little bit insecure. It was like that moment that I it just like, I truly saw myself in fashion, even though I always drew things it was always like a thing like mind you I started sketching like seriously I want to say into like 2011 and that was like 2014 or 16 so there's like a huge gap like even though it was something that I like I never had that like moment so I guess what was like your moment where you were just like wow like this is I see myself here Okay, well, I'm not going to lie. I've always just been obsessed with fashion, and it used to be problematic in my childhood because I grew up with strict Muslim parents. However, my mom loved fashion. So, like, my favorite thing to do growing up was to play dress up with all of her old clothes and all of her old party dresses and whatnot. Like, she literally had a huge cardboard box, and I would play dress up and I would run fashion shows with my cousins, and I just like loved all of it. Like, I wanted to be in fashion shows, I wanted to run them design dresses I wanted to do it all and I remember when I was a kid and I lived in the UAE Zara was really big when I was growing up so I would design clothes and I would like write the Zara logo but change it to my name and be like Kaisa and be like I'm gonna have my own brand and it's gonna be called Kaisa one day and I would design clothes but that was literally just in my childhood I honestly didn't think that I could make or have a career in fashion. I didn't see a place for myself in it. I didn't even know the types of jobs that existed other than the really high level ones, or like, for example, model and fashion designer. Like I didn't see myself existing or working in the fashion industry until I started working with brands on Instagram and working with fashion brands specifically and seeing a shift in the fashion industry. That was the first time that I truly saw a place for myself. And it was only seeing others who look like me and others doing similar work that I was doing that I didn't even realize was work at the time that I truly realized I want to work in this industry and I'm going to I'm going to make that happen for myself. I feel that and you talked about um, some people that kind of help you I guess see that there was a space for you was there anyone in particular? Honestly there were just a lot of plus size and mid-size bloggers who were just showing up every day and talking about it and also talking about how difficult it was to do so and that really resonated with me and I always made it a point to follow a good ratio sorry if that makes sense so if I'm following a lot of fashion bloggers who are are perhaps straight size size zero to four to also follow just as many just so for my own personal representation because I truly realized that I couldn't envision myself in these roles or see myself doing this kind of work if I didn't see others who looked a little bit more similar to me doing that kind of work oh yeah for sure um, I remember one of my friends, she's plus size, and um, she was kind of telling me like how sometimes she like has struggled to kind of see herself, which like rightfully so. And I was like, the fashion industry, as much as I love it, is not going to change anytime soon. Or at least the change is going to take time. Like that's just the reality. There's and too much work. Exactly. To like there's done. so much work to be done, which we're probably going to dive into. And I told her like, you as a consumer there's not much that you can do so that the industry changes because it's like almost a systemic problem but now we have social media and we can curate though this world for us that is something that we'd like the world to 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 resemble right so it's like 
try finding the girls the influencers the the girls that you follow that are like a size zero four whatever who are posting try finding the same girls who are posting that similar content in your size that was exactly it for me and I started sending her all of these girls and I was just like you don't need to lose weight to wear what you want like you actually don't need to do that and I also work in retails and I always have women that are like you know older than me younger than me and a lot of the times it's always like oh I can't wear this because I have a pouch I can't wear this because of my arm and it's just like so sad to me because I'm like you're not supposed to fit into clothes you're supposed to find the clothes that fit you exactly but I think that we grew up and we were socialized to believe that only if you have a certain body type that only you're only allowed to wear certain types of clothes and that's all that was represented for so so long especially with our mother's generations and generations beyond us I think that we're very lucky to see the dial shifting because I don't even think they did no I agree I 100% agree and it's it's really like a weird position to be in because it is on one side it's like well I should be able to explore that because I think fashion is an extension of your expression right so if today you feel some type of way you can actually express that through what you're wearing and I think everyone should have that desire or fulfill the desire to explore that right but then at the same time we have this society that's kind of like picking and picking and picking and not allowing for people or kind of saying that like you can't have that expression of self because of what you look like whether it's a plus size or maybe like you're someone who's disabled or you're a person of color whatever the hell it is there's like that level of and I kind of battle with it too sometimes not necessarily on the body front because I've been like very fortunate to have this very special uh, relationship with my body but more so on the like how I grew up right like I grew up in a very Christian household so there is always like that uh, like maybe you can't really do that because you're this is your identity and this is what you're supposed to do so anytime I would want to explore something that was outside of that identity it was like there was like no like there was some pushback right Uh, the biggest part about fashion that I love is that you get to express identity and I think that it's also allowing people to just exist and be who they want to be and that is kind of where fashion is going, where I see representation going a little bit when we're seeing different groups of people represented. It's like we're just allowing people to exist in this space that they haven't existed before, but we need to do so much more to do like have that happen authentically in fashion because we're still just seeing one very specific. There's still such a there's still so much work to be done. What would you say is I guess a few, maybe the top three things that you, if tomorrow you had the choice to make every, all the changes that you could, Kaisa's the boss, what is she doing? Well, first off, I would just make sure that no one was actually suffering because there is a human impact of fashion as well with ethical and like sustainable practices. So I would just make sure that everything is done in a like sustainable way or from the ground up if I could make that happen and just make sure there's like no awful human footprint left from the fashion industry. I think that would be number one. Number two is to have like everyone represented and to have everyone truly feel welcome and feel beautiful in this industry because I think that that's where we're lacking and then three to have it be an accessible industry for everyone because I do think that it isn't for so many people can you elaborate on that why don't you think it's accessible for so many people well I just think that for example so many people do not have the privilege of dressing themselves in different clothing or in clothing that 
they might want to, and other people have much more of a means to clothing, and that clothing just is very disposable to certain types of people, whereas certain people in the world just don't have access to clothing, for example. There's just a huge disparity there in what clothing is and what what dressing yourself means to a human being. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, fashion is such a vain industry. Oh, it is. It's the most, it's one of the most superficial industry because it's about, it's a visual industry. It's about the aesthetic, right? It's all about the visuals. But it's like unfortunate because at least for me, and I was telling this to someone else the other day, like I realized how much specifically styling has really helped me heal my inner child. Like I really see art as being like a spiritual thing. And I think fashion is an art in itself. So because I grew up in this in this environment where there was like so many restrictions in how I could express myself and how I could explore myself either through, you know, the the clothes that I was wearing and the music that I wanted to listen to and all of these things, styling kind of allowed me to put people in the clothes that I would want to or the style that I would want to explore. I always thought to myself, well, you know, I think this fit looks freaking cool on this person but I would never wear that because like it's not my style or whatever but then when I started digging dipper I was like no like the reason why you're interested in this type of aesthetic or this style it's because you've always wanted to explore it but you've never really had the the space to do so or you never necessarily felt safe to do so right um and I think that's probably something that a lot of people can relate to I know like some of my friends too who grew up in similar environments can totally relate to that I think if you're, you know, plus size and mid size is probably something that you can relate to. If you're disabled, whatever it is, if you don't have the money to invest in the style that you're looking for, that's also probably something that you can relate to. So as much as it's a vain industry, and I, I 100% agree, I think my hope is that the vain aspects of it is like taken out of the equa- equation because I feel like that would actually help with so many of the issues it'd be a focus on people's healing or spiritual journey of just expression of cells where it's like you would see someone that maybe society does not necessarily have the right quote-unquote to do that but because that's taken out of the equation the vain aspect is taken out of the equation you wouldn't really like think like oh why is she wearing that it'd be kind of like oh like this is cool like she's exploring herself she's she's expressing herself like I want to do that too and I want to find better ways to do that to answer my own question if I could change anything at least one thing that would be it no that's that's really an interesting point i hadn't thought about it like that like if you could just remove the vanity aspect of fashion for everyone what that would look like and what that would mean to people but i think that that would be so much more impactful than what we have going on right now a hundred percent like that's ideally what fashion should be for everyone exactly a hundred percent like in 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 the ideal world i just think that it got lost along the way in this like materialistic and capitalistic society capitalist society but <laughs> i don't know why i'm the, the type of person that has to turn everything to like a spiritual fucking speech no i just... love that for you it's who you are it's like you bring it back home to who you are and i love that I wanted to ask you because I feel like I've I've been following her for a minute. Like when I say I'm a fan of hers, I'm not just being like nice. I'm actually being serious. Um, I've seen like your style kind of change over the the years that I've been following you. I don't even know how long I've been following you. Maybe like three years, four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've been doing this quote unquote content creation thing, um, for a few years now. Like I said, organically before I even knew it was a thing. Just capturing memories. Like my Instagram account. If you scroll all the way back, you can see my 
first photo posted, like with the, <laughs> with the Instagram filters on it, like it's all there. But basically, I've just been been able to play more with fashion and with my personal style over the years. I think I've become a lot more comfortable in my sense of self and with my own personal identity. So it's been a bit easier for me to naturally step into exploring that and playing playing with that with my personal style. Like for example, I was just actually talking to my boyfriend about this on the weekend because I had to go and shop and look at some really interesting places to complete my birthday look that I've been planning for all year. And it just made me realize that it made me feel like being a kid again and like dressing up and designing an outfit. And I may not have been that comfortable like looking at these outside places for clothing, for example, because I would have been judging myself for doing so before, like for example, two years ago, because my style just wasn't there. I just wasn't that comfortable expressing myself in that way. I like that you brought up the judging yourself. Oh, I do it all the time. It's kind of hard not to when you're showing up in such a visual way. It's kind of hard not to cast judgment on your own self sometimes, but... (laughs) But why do you think people do that? Like, why do you think... At least, why do you think you do that? Why I cast... Honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out. I think it's because I like to always be evolving, and I'm kind of my own worst critic, but I am, like, one of my most important critics, too. I just have to check myself to make sure that... I'm not being too hard on myself sometimes, but I do think that keeping myself kind of in line is a good thing and just being and just like contributes to my own self-awareness, if that makes sense. Mm. I like that you mentioned being your most important tr- critic as well, because the whole like being hard on yourself and being like nitpicky about everything like that is like literally 95% of my personality. It's sickening. Oh, me too. <laughs> it's it's like traumatizing. Almost. It really is. Like, like I'm traumatizing myself over here. <laughs> like I've literally worked with people and I'm just like they're picking everything. I'm like, oh, and then they're just like, dude, like stop. Like actually it's not that bad. And I'm just I'm like, not going to lie. The first 10 minutes of this conversation, I was just kind of focusing on like breathing a little bit. I was just nervous. <laughs> this is the first podcast I've ever been on. And I don't know why. Like it's just literally a casual conversation. And I know you and I feel so comfortable around you. But I was just so like nervous for the first ten minutes. I'm not gonna lie. I feel I feel better now, but <laughs> I had to focus on breathing for a hot minute. Oh my god, I feel that. That's so funny. Oh my god, because like sometimes, especially like in the fashion space, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but like you'll go to an event or you'll be around like the the people, like the the ones in the fashion industry. Like I still feel like I'm like a no one, nobody. Like no one knows me, and I don't think I ever want people to know me like that. But, like, you ever be in those spaces and you're just, like, you feel so out of place and you just, like, I don't know, I'll, I'll just, like, try to look interesting and I'm, I'm, like, pretending so much. I'm, like, babes, like, if you're here, there's a reason why. You're there. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I really embodied the fake it till you make it mentality. <laughs> and I have seen, like, events and networking and those kind of atmospheres as a good as a good opportunity to practice my acting skills and to just practice being that bitch and who I want to be. Can we, sw- I don't know if we can yeah, swear. Yeah, can here, swear. But, um, but literally, I think that was actually a fun part about it for me was just getting to show up and be like, yeah, I'm a fashion blogger and I'm here at this event. Like, I didn't feel that way at all, but I acted like that. And like the attitude kind of like completed the look for me, if that made sense. I had a whole lot of mm. imposter syndrome, but I felt like I was acting for the one and a half, two and a half hours that I was literally in the event space. Like I took a big breath, went in and then took a big breath out and it was like, 
different if that makes sense no i feel that because the amount of time i've been in rooms and i'm just like what the it, fuck am i doing it was here? honestly a survival like method if that makes sense this happened after just feeling so out of place and in certain rooms and just feeling like i don't belong there even when i knew i did i have a question for you because okay so i sometimes cringe at the idea of calling myself like a stylist or i hate i how i just it's just it just feels like so like like it's icky it's like it feels so embarrassing like not actually embarrassing but like embarrassing what part about it just like the the word calling yourself a stylist or like being a stylist i don't think it's like being a stylist it's just maybe how i just see myself i i see okay first of all i i don't think i'm someone who has like a style like i can my okay i'm glad you said that because i was hoping you weren't gonna ask me specifically because i still don't know what my style is like it's ever evolving it changes every single day i don't know what it'll be tomorrow i honestly don't like i can plan for it but i i don't know what i'm gonna say i can walk into a vintage store and everything changes i'll watch a movie and everything changes i watched the the michael jordan documentary on netflix the last dance Mm -hmm. and i did not expect to feel so like creatively inspired by a series on a basketball team something about the (laughs) 90s and the tracksuits like maybe i'm kind of built like a basketball player like i'm tall tracksuits like matching sets look really good on me but i took so much like inspo from that movie and honestly i think my brothers or my cousin made a comment they're like um yeah we've seen you vibe a little bit more with it lately with my outfits like i'm dead like the week after watching the series <laughs> though i feel that because like sometimes i'm the type of person i listen to so many different types of music mm-hmm. and i've been i've always 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 been obsessed with like the punk rock boy girl aesthetic anyone who knows me i'm always wearing black slowly but surely i'm like where i'm i'm like very like into chunky shoes and whatever like it's starting to really creep up on me like really badly but then again it's just like i'm i don't know i'm just like there's still that part of me that's not really comfortable to really explore and to like which i feel like i'm kind of hypocrite for that because i'm a stylist like it's kind of like girl you can't explore your own style but you're putting clothes on people no but Um, you put so much pressure on yourself because you're also a stylist right probably and i i also relate to that so much like i actually love chunky footwear i've been so happy that they've been in style and just available at so many places because i find them so comfortable and fashionable but I think that I can relate to that a little bit with like maybe my own personal style or like essence of style being super hyper feminine and girly and pink and maybe a little hypersexual. I'm not going to lie, like with feathers and sequences and just like a more revealing style or more like traditional hypersexual style, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm super not comfortable expressing that in my everyday life, but it's really fun to play into that with styling myself for shoots or for events or for a photo even or a reel for example or for my birthday outfit and it feels really good to like tap into my inner child to do so because I feel like that's where it all comes from is playing dress up as a kid and playing with my mom's old sequin dresses and feather boas and sparkly heels from the 90s and that kind of stuff but Mm -hmm. I still like cringe at myself for being drawn to that because I'm a 26 turning 27 year old woman and people don't dress like that on the streets today I don't know I think I'm really into like the androgynous vibe like the super like garçon vibe i think i've, I've always been, been loving that recently 
Like, I love that. I think it's so, I think it's so like visually drawing too. I don't know why. I think that even like some menswear just has so much more like geometry and the structure of the pieces are just different from like womenswear. Oh, I love it. I've been obsessed recently. I've, I've always been heavily influenced by menswear. Like one of the, my top influences in terms of like content creators, it's Felipe's at sword underscore Raka on uh, Instagram. I'm literally obsessed with him. And like, it was to the point where I didn't realize how much I was influenced by him. And so I recently got this huge like blue coat and then I was scrolling to his page and I saw how like he has like a coat that's similar and like oh anyone God, who knows dead. me knows I don't do color. Like I showed it's up. It's true. You don't. You're, new, you're a neutral girl. <laughs> I'm yeah. a neutral girl. And I showed up to one of my friend's plays the other day and then he was like, you're wearing blue. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, wow, that's unexpected. <laughs> And I was like, um, I know, but like, I don't know. Like, then here so I cool. am, like I'm wearing it. I was like, this coat is so nice. And he's like, no, I like it. But I was like, but it's blue. And he's like, yeah. I'm dead. He cracked you out of your shell. I love that for you, though. No, it's really one did. blue coat. It's one blue coat. I'm dead. Everyone's like, what is up with her? <laughs> People were like, someone saw me there. He looked like someone's auntie. And I was I was so like... Okay, but I love being told I look like someone's auntie sometimes. It's no, a vibe. That, I that vibe really, with that. that <laughs> I just, took it. I, <laughs> you took it to heart. You were like, yeah. no, not today. <laughs> and it, you I, know, I felt a little vulnerable in my blue coat. Because I never wear blue. Like, I kind of felt like out there. Because it's a very bright blue coat. What kind of blue? Use a word like it's ocean. like a royal blue. Royal? Oh, oh! I think I may have seen it. Have you posted in it? No, no, I don't think no. so. Okay, I never was thinking mind. I should take. I've been thinking like, oh, I should take a picture because this coat is actually fire, and I even have my dress on it. I'm like, oh, this, this is kind of. Oh my god, it's I proper. But I just feel so weird already. I don't know. This is my thing with content creators. Like, I admire you guys so much because like self shooting is actually it's embarrassing. Not embarrassing, but like. You know what I mean. If you it's... are on internet, you should know what embarrassing mean by now. It feels a little embarrassing. And then on top of that, I'm wearing a blue coat. This bright okay. blue coat. It's a but lot. But you do realize the difference in the color of the coat matters to you and you only. Like, that is the smallest detail of this whole self-shooting aspect. That should make you feel vulnerable. <laughs> because self-shooting is very vulnerable. But I just don't see how the color of the coat has to do with that. <laughs> Because, like, I'm worried about my safety. I'm worried about so many things when I'm self-shooting. <laughs> I am not worried about my coat being too blue. <laughs> oh, my God. I literally hyper-focus on the smallest details. Like, it's actually so bad. You know what? That probably contributes to how your work is so good, though. Thank you. Like, you don't um, miss a beat, so oh my it God. works for you. But... About the whole styling thing, and the reason why it, it feels weird for me to call myself stylist, because I feel like we just diverted. I think it's because I never just want to be seen as a stylist, because I don't think I'm just a stylist, and it's not to take anything away from people who are just styling, and just, like, my, my view on just, like, the world as a broader thing is that everyone's an artist in their own right. Only difference between someone who has the title artist and someone who doesn't is that they create intentionally and consciously no I that's agree. like it, the only difference so i feel like everyone's an artist like anyone could call themselves a stylist like literally 
you could call yourself a stylist tomorrow if you wanted and you could start styling people and okay. like this is hitting home way too hard because I feel like styling is something that I really want to step into it really hit when you said like you don't want to just be a stylist you don't like because I kind of don't want to just be anything like I want to do lots of things and experience like lots of things and just I kind of want to do like a bunch of different things and I don't even like to call myself I mean, it changed from influencer to content creator, which sounds a bit better, but I don't even like to call myself that, for example. And styling is an aspect, like a job that I kind of want to tap into. And even today, I'm meeting with a girl who is a stylist to talk about potential work and assisting with her. And I have so much imposter syndrome because I'm like, I'm not a stylist. I didn't go to stylist school. Wait, is there stylist school? Like, why do you have to go to school to be a stylist? Like, I'm literally struggling with all these questions and like thoughts and literally just imposter syndrome in my head where I know I've literally put in the work and manifested like this conversation to happen. So I should just be focusing on that. But instead, I'm giving myself anxiety by questioning why I'm here and if I deserve to be. I didn't go to no stylist school, girl. Does anyone? Has anyone? Like, is no, that even I'm, a thing? There, yeah, it is a, it's the thing. There's actually, okay. like, styling school. There's styling of, programs, like, within fashion school? Yeah. A lot of yeah. stylists... <laughs> that's actually a, funny. A lot of stylists want to be designers, and then they realize that being a designer is actually, like, full of shit. I am technically a designer, but it's actually, like, full of shit. Uh, <laughs> can <so> confirm. They, <laughs> I can <laughs> confirm. And so they turn into... Um, styling girl i want to be a designer too one day like that's on the list do what you want to do i think it'd be dope to see like what you would come up with we can probably have that conversation separately because if you want to be a designer i'll give you like this is the thing with me i don't believe in gatekeeping like anything that anyone would ever want to ask me i would literally be like here no me too me too if i like know you or can trust you i don't even think i i even care about all that because i've definitely had people come up to me and, and i could tell that they were like on something but i was just like i don't know i think i've had like people ask me like about certain things and i i'm not really pressed with like not sharing it just because mm-hmm. i think at least for like the fashion world what's very valuable is your creativity and like at the end of the day it's either you have it or you don't no, 100%. And there's too many people withholding information from each other. <laughs> so oh, like, you can't be that way. And honestly, I've made so many friends in this industry and we've relied on each other way more than I thought we would have to because we're kind of like all in this together and you really can't withhold important information if your friend is genuinely asking you about your experience with something because there's nowhere else that she can really gain that insight. Exactly. And like, I find that because I was talking to a hairstylist yesterday and she was, we were talking about gatekeeping and how she's like, I gatekeep. And I was like, that makes sense for you because. Yeah. And maybe in a different industry. Because if you're making wigs and you're making all these things, like what's important is your technique. It's not necessarily like your creativity. It's more your technique. So if you paid the certain amount of money to have the knowledge that you have today and someone asked you the knowledge for free, I can understand why you wouldn't want to share it. But like in my case, I don't necessarily have the techniques. I don't have like none of that shit. I just I just think about something, I write it down and I'm like, how the fuck am I gonna make it happen? And I just Do you write out. down all your ideas like that? Like Okay, my creative pro- I don't even know what my creative process is. I do write a lot, like a lot. And then sometimes when I don't know how to structure my sentences because English is not I pretend to speak English. In fact I don't actually speak English. <laughs> um uh, you- <laughs> You speak great English, just so you know. Sometimes I'm like, what the fuck am I like saying? I feel like my head thinks in French. So like, it's yeah, like, I could see how that would be. 
so yeah sometimes i record my voice explaining something that also helps uh and then when i really don't know how to formulate anything i'll just draw it but like most of the time drawing will be well most of the time writing would be my first one drawing i always draw at the end of the day like if i have a look in mind i'll like write the stuff that i want but then i'll always draw it so it's like two and two together that's kind of how it goes in my head no that makes sense kind of depends on how you feel I couldn't imagine just doing this or choosing to do this exact same thing every time I think ideas come and flow in different ways as well Mm -hmm. and how do you like put down your ideas like what's your creative process like honestly I'm still struggling but I'm a visual person so I'll like lay down colors and just items from my closet um, even if I don't have the like what I'm thinking of in mind I'll just lay down things that are similar and see if I'm vibing with that for example if that makes sense okay. I really like I'm really big into colors yeah I can um, see that <laughs> but I really like saving photos and making like very small mood boards like a mood board of like six images for example oh I I can see that. I think I do mood boards sometimes. Actually, I do mood boards all the time, but it's not necessarily for the looks because most of the time the looks is already in my head. No, for me, the mood boards are more to like accomplish the vibe with the shoot, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like keeping it to an aesthetic, a color palette, for example, just Mm -hmm. to kind of keep everything in check or just to inspire me visually if I need it. I'm actually really bad. The reason that my creative process isn't really a process is because I'm bad at sticking to one process um, depending on what I'm doing so it's like I do different things depending on the different type of project but I'm like I like to have things in my hand and to work with different colors and like fabrics and whatnot and to move things around and props and to see locations visually I think what I usually need a mood board for is mostly like the poses and like the sets yeah because most of the time the look is in my head it's so weird how i come up with looks like sometimes i'm like if i would explain this that to someone or if someone was explaining to me how they came up with the, those looks i would actually like think she's crazy <laughs> yeah no i think that's really funny i need to hear how you come up with one of these looks i think that like there's so many different ways like i'll save looks on instagram where i like one part of the look so i'll really like the way this girl like layered her jacket with her scarf i think she did it in a different way and i want to mix that into like my next outfit i honestly play dress up like once like one to three times a week where I'll spend like an hour just trying shit on and making outfits and planning outfits for future events or just for a different life just like a part of the creative process literally just playing dress up and putting together what I can in my wardrobe and that's how I kind of put together most of my looks to shoot for Instagram like just through literally trying stuff on but I'll also see outfits where I really like the vibe and like I might not want to make that specific outfit but I love the way she layered different black textures for example Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to do that myself this one leather jacket I have or something for example most of my ideas come from like when I'm literally about to fall asleep and it's like to the point where I literally have like 15 notebooks this is my pillow it's like five months ago my pillow and then my notebooks are like right there it's not even on a bedside table it's like on my bed and I have like pens on my bed because sometimes I wake up and I'm like <laughs> I've, I've read about that to keep like a notebook next to you and on your night table for your ideas if you if you're like a night girl and if you get ideas right before you sleep because they say you do get some of the best ideas right before you sleep and I feel like I've actually let so many good ideas go to waste because I'm like yes I will act on that tomorrow and then I forget 
one thing that I do that I've been doing for like I want to say like a year and a year and a half I've been listening to like meditations or like affirmations like as I'm about to fall asleep because apparently your brain retains the most information as you're like falling asleep like that period of time where you're like Mm -hmm. tired falling asleep and like asleep that's the point of time where you're retaining the most information and i feel like it would make sense if that's where that period of time where you're getting the most ideas i also get a lot of my ideas in the shower and i was doing research about like chakras and energy and stuff like that and your sacral chakra is like your creation and it's also responsible it's also related to like sex and pleasure and whatever but it also like the a good way to activate that chakra is like water or drinking water often or like when you're taking a shower um if you're aligned with your chakras or with your energy i'm probably not explaining this right don't quote me no you are it makes I'm, total sense i can relate to it like it. with taking a bath for example yeah and also i get a lot of my ideas during sunrise or sunset apparently the color orange as well is related to that chakra which is your creation chakra so if if you get those because i know someone who literally writes music by the water and i always thought that was very like interesting and she also meditates by the water and then when i was doing my research about chakras and shit i was like oh my god like that makes a lot of fucking sense (laughs) no it's funny that everything like aligns when you read about it later um i i love water too and i'm big on rituals so i have different rituals for like when i shower every day and different rituals for when i wash my hair in the shower just because that takes a longer time and when i wash my hair it is a whole process i also smoke weed before I will make a curated playlist I will light a candle I will like prep my towels nearby I will literally make my shower feel like a luxury for me um, because I hate washing my hair and just because I deserve small luxuries like that yes I love Um, that and I feel like doing all of these little things just really sets myself up and like I'll dim the lights and everything like it is just such a vibe like it'll smell like eucalyptus in there like I'll either have fresh eucalyptus or light a candle I, I usually have like like just different scents going on in my bathroom <laughs> anyways i feel like um, that just helps with creativity in general which is like a hundred percent but i just feel like i set myself up for my showers to be a creative space because when i'm in there just like vibing listening to music washing my hair doing my hair masks timing my beauty products with the songs that i've chosen that day intentionally like i'm setting myself self up for ideas to flow and to feel like my best self Mm -hmm. and like to be and when I feel like my best self I feel like that's when I feel like I'm better able to express myself and to do work and that's when I feel like I'm natural like everything just falls better into place for me if that makes sense oh no yeah a hundred percent makes sense like it's kind of like the same for me because I remember I was doing okay so there's a project that I worked on and it took like a good maybe five months of like prep to be able to actually shoot it and that we still have not yeah i don't think people really understand what the fuck stylists be doing and it really is upsetting me and my own girls because like i really do fitting a lot of work and i know that other stylists do we shot it in july and we still have not posted it the point is we did like a few fittings and there was like points where like my anxiety was like at a peak and like i would look at the looks and i was like no like i was like scrapped this whole thing and i was like this is all wrong and i'm like ah. um <laughs> and then like when i was like calm or like after i would meditate or whatever and i would look at them again i was like oh maybe we can just add this and that would end the look whatever so like when you are like in a space where you where you can receive i feel like the creation aspect can really happen so for me like i cannot go on set if i've not meditated like it's a must 
because I will like panic at least one time and I'm grateful because like in that project I was working um with um someone by the name of Ife hi Ife and he's so like calm all the time (laughs) and it's like almost annoying because it's like how are you so calm exactly like that's gonna make me less calm (laughs) yeah and then it's like when I'm around people who are super nervous it like it like makes me nervous so like I don't understand how he doesn't get like anxious when he's around me sometimes because like sometimes I'm like and he's just like it's just chill and he's like dancing and shit I'm like um okay (laughs) I aspire for that level of chill in my life but there is a long way to go I'm not gonna lie you're Sagittarius right yeah it's giving chaotic (laughs) that's been the energy recently I wanted to know what's been your experience working with brands as a mid-sized blocker because I've heard stories honestly (laughs) my experience has been colorful I'll say um I'm not gonna lie though first off I'm gonna say that like there are brands who do get it and I'm lucky enough that when I started my experience early on like when I had just started when I was in Ottawa when I was three years ago maybe I worked with a few companies who I felt were doing a better job for example I know that one of my pain points as a consumer when shopping was seeing clothes displayed on not my body type and one of the earliest brands that I worked with one of their biggest strengths was that they showed um, one of their biggest strengths as like in their branding was that Mm -hmm. they featured their products on different models at a time when I felt like not a lot of other brands did this and they were doing like very trendy it was an Australian boutique they did like trendy party wear and stuff so it was also rare to find brands in that niche and brands doing like trendy fashion with body diversity if that makes sense so for the first time I was seeing dresses and really trendy clothes and like really cute clothes displayed on my body and I was like oh shoot that dress like is gonna look really cute on me and like for example it was the first time I saw and I believed in my (laughs) head for the first time that is this that like certain dresses look better on bigger bodies mm-hmm. and that was only through seeing it on a website that was literally showing the same dress side by side on different bodies because other companies weren't doing that mm-hmm. so I was lucky to work with companies that were for example doing that really early on in my in my like fashion blogging journey and I was also able to work with companies who were who were featuring a little bit more like size diversity because they were Canadian companies. And I feel like Canadian companies may be a little bit faster to catch on to this than some like larger corporations. So there were a few companies that I had worked with, like just purely on a gifted basis that I felt like I was, you know, contributing or not contributing, but I felt like they were really good partnerships that aligned with me. But the more work that I started to do in this industry and the more that the more brands I started to work with, the more I saw like a real issue and a real lack of inclusivity within sizing and within representations because Mm. I just started to work with more companies instead of like working with two or three companies in a few months I started to work with two or three companies within one month and so you really see when these companies reach out to you in their pitches in their brand decks and what they're presenting to you on their websites on their social medias you really get a grasp of their visual inclusivity um, if that makes sense and Mm. you can tell if like a brand aligns with you and if it doesn't and for example some brands like reach out to me when they don't even carry my size that's been a whole thing and this year for the first time I've had to turn down paid work with brands that don't align with me based off of inclusivity and based off of sizing so it's just been like a process of figuring out the kind of brands that I want to work with and the kind of brands that I don't and just 
where brands are going and where they can go with it. Because for every brand that does it really poorly, there are other brands that are showing up and who are really making an effort to try to be more inclusive. So there are opportunities for work for mid-size and plus-size creators more than ever before on Instagram. I just think you have to have really thick skin to be able to do this, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how does that affect your... I guess your mental health or just like the way that you see yourself to like because I know that is sometimes an issue with within like the styling world where you go through like the process of being hired or the interview process and whatnot and they talk about their values as a brand and they mention inclusivity and all these things and then you look at the people who work in the brand because that's happened to me recently and it's literally all white women and you're just like okay I try, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And maybe I should stop doing that because it's not always the best idea. So when that when I started to notice and I started picking it up on, and even just the brand in general, like their page on Instagram, and this is a very well-known brand, I was like, for people who speak about inclusivity and diversity and those things, to look at your Instagram page and to see what there is and then to look at your website as well. And it's just like, what you're saying, what you're telling me, the people who work behind the brand, like everything is just not aligned. It doesn't add up. It really doesn't add up. So it's... I was thinking I'm if I'm going to have the opportunity to be in that space, I'm going to try to advocate for that because you're saying that's what you want, but that's not what you're giving the people. Obviously, I didn't end up being hired because probably I was being a little bit too intense about the whole diversity thing. And that probably made them a little more comfortable. But <laughs> about the diversity thing, quote unquote. But it was just like, it was a little bit disappointing. And there's even been people in the industry that I admire and I, I like the, what they do and I like what they stand for. But they work within companies that don't have diversity especially when these people have the power to make a change or to talk about that and to you know shake it up a little bit in their companies it's very disappointing so mm -hmm. how do you feel about that on your side of the, the industry honestly I feel like it's a very tricky space to navigate and it can be emotionally exhausting sometimes and sometimes I look around at my friends who are in this industry who are like straight sized and I just sit there and I'm like they don't have to deal with this shit <laughs> like for example I just turned down a collaboration with a brand that like pushed back on me arguing that their clothes will fit me offering a higher pay rate trying to really like work with me on a collaboration but I just couldn't work with them based off of their sizing and based off of their lack of inclusivity if that makes sense and mm -hmm. then I have to see lots of my friends go and work with that same brand for example and hear about them talk about it and be supportive so that's kind of where like one of the areas where it gets really hard because it's like I just want to be able to do that and wear cute clothes and to have these partnerships and to be able to thrive like that as well if that makes sense because for example for us it's like this one specific brand, one of the reasons that I couldn't work with them was because they had over 300 items in a size large and less than 20 in a size XL. And I just couldn't, I was like, no, like, no, thank you. None of these are the cute items. Like I deserve to be able to wear like the same cute clothes as my friends who are a size smaller than me. Like this isn't a great shopping experience for me. So I just can't condone this to my mm -hmm. audience. And it's also just tricky navigating being pitched by brands because you also don't want to be the token girl, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, I really don't want to be the token girl in this one campaign or the one girl that you're work working with for inclusion 
for like visually inclusive based purposes. It's performative, if that makes sense. It's performative mm-hmm. activism at its worst. And I'm being approached by brands who want to work with me because I'm mid-size, yet they don't cater to my size or one size above me. So it literally just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I'm just 100%. I'm just finding it like literally a very just tricky space to navigate, but I also know that if I'm not going to push back and have have these conversations with brands, then who will? Like for example, I follow lots of women who have really like influential positions who are plus size and who advocate for like size inclusivity and who advocate for racial inclusivity within the fashion industry and they've been able to actually make strides because of persistent conversations that they've had and because of pushback so I know it's important for me to do so and to bring these topics to the awareness of the brand rep so that they can bring it back during their meetings to the people higher up than them so they're literally aware of how their consumers and how influencers feel for example I think like influencers I know people be always shading on influencers which it's like okay i think influencers are very good like middle point between brands and consumer Mm -hmm. because you guys still have the very consumer like experience Mm -hmm. but you guys also have the life behind the scenes of like working with a brand or for a brand Um, it's a limited behind the scenes but it is a behind the scenes yeah it's but it's like more than the average person right yeah way more than the consumer for sure so I think like there's a good middle point and I think just like me as a stylist because I don't work for a specific brand and I'm a freelance and I talk to and I have good relationships with people who are influencers and I have a good relationship with just everyday consumers and artists and stuff like I'm seeing so many different points of view and how they experience fashion and what it's like to shop and whatever so you know I know that when I'm talking to brands like it's easier to be like hey girl like I actually know what I'm talking about because I'm talking to people Mm -hmm. that you guys are not talking to right how is it like to bring up that conversation to your audience it it can be tricky sometimes because I also know that I'm in a position as an influencer where you get to work with brands where some people might think like you're lucky to be there maybe like stop complaining so I feel that sometimes maybe I shouldn't maybe that's like imposter syndrome just telling me to like be lucky and be grateful but I like to have these conversations with my audience because my I know my audience demographics pretty well and I've been doing this a long time so I've been able to take note of what resonates with my audience so I know that a large portion of my audience is mid-size for example or a large portion of my engaged audience is mid-size which is much more valuable to me than my non-engaged audience but I've kind of come to this point where I've worked my way up a little bit as a content creator to work with brands and I now have a little bit more of a means to an end to participate in the fashion industry than I did when I was a student, for example. Mm -hmm. And I still can't seem to find cute clothes that fit me or brands that I want to buy from. So if it's this hard for me, I know that the shopping experience is going to be much more limited for other people, for students, for people who don't have as much of an income to spend on clothes, for people who don't have the experience and the insights I do in the shopping or in the fashion industry. Like for example, a large part of being a fashion blogger is making selects for brands and shopping for yourself and learning how to online shop and learning sizing and like learning the e-commerce industry and all that, for example. So I understand that this industry is really frustrating, not only for me, but for a whole very large group of people. So I think that people can really feel that frustration and people can really relate 
to that, like to these pain points of shopping and being a consumer. Because like you mentioned, influencers are just consumers too. And we kind of hold that unique position because we get to talk to brand reps and brands. I think it's the the whole like be grateful aspects of it because like I've definitely felt that is also just like maybe like a an immigrant thing. Yeah, no, people. for sure. I've I have immigrant parents too, for and like it's like just smile, be grateful. You're lucky. Yeah, like you're here. Like exactly. You're, you're fed. Like be grateful, and like you get to pick clothes. Stop complaining. <laughs> exactly. I what is it. I, talk to you about the money aspects because i feel like that's something that in the fashion industry no one talks about people don't talk about their rates i'm not gonna ask you your rates because that's just too much information but i mean i'll give you my rates if you really want to know (laughs) like if you (laughs) i'm not withholding any information i took a course on this my rates are standard to the industry i think that everyone should know the rates i just know that it's like a tabby topic and i don't want to put you on the spot if that's something that you don't want to share but i wanted to know like what has been your journey like to start to charge brands and to um, respect your your standards and to set your boundaries with brands because like be real this industry I literally I don't know if you saw that post I'm gonna send it to you later but there is these people who work with this magazine with Madonna they didn't get paid they that that's that just went viral and also I heard that there's some photographers who shot for Vogue that got paid like less than five hundred dollars so that actually like as much as it as atrocious as that is, it doesn't shock me because these are such big name opportunities. And I think that that's the hardest part to navigate about this industry is like, as a young content creator, you want to work with brands and build your resume and be able to say that you've worked with brands, but and like not give up those opportunities, but you also want to make money. So it's balancing like which brands can afford to pay you and are choosing not to versus like which brands you shouldn't even bother kind of giving sending your rates to because you know that they're small local companies or you know this is just a larger campaign where they're not paying influencers but learning that only kind of comes with experience and it's one of those things where like I've made mistakes I've signed contracts that I wish I didn't sign I've said no to contracts that I wish I said yes to I've asked for too much money from brands where I've asked too little money I haven't asserted myself enough or if I've asserted myself too much it's kind of all a part of the process but I just think that you have to really value your work first and really think about the time and your process and if like how willing you are to do that for someone else and for a brand or a product that may not necessarily align with your like authentic lifestyle like if it does if it's a product or a brand that you really want to try and it comes organic to you then I understand that like influencers or creators are much more enticed to say yes to working with them however I always like tell my friends this for example too if it's a larger company and they are reaching out to influencers they have the means to pay them for their work so you really have to start that conversation with them otherwise you're kind of hurting the rest of us (laughs) essentially if like Mm -hmm. If you're, for example, if large companies reach out, reach out to 50 influencers and 20 will do it for free, they might reach out to another 50 and get another 20 to do it for them for free rather than paying anyone, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah. So it's like you really have to kind of push back to make change in this industry because it is an unprecedented industry. So it kind of puts us in a place where we have to have uncomfortable conversations sometimes, but these conversations also help us like establish ourselves and establish this as a career and establish establish like our work as paid work no it can just be really tough to navigate all of that and like I've worked on the other side of things as a brand rep so I know for example how some clients or how some brands base 
pay base rates and basis kind of stuff on. So it's just really tricky navigating all of that. But you have to kind of have these conversations and be willing to assert yourself just to learn and move forward, I find. I just know for like me now, like I like content creation just like as a cute little fun thing. I don't think I would ever do that like full time. Having like local brands, startups being like, we're getting, t- we're paying you, just tell me your price. And having like bigger brands reach out and be like, we don't have the budget. It's like, it's astonishing. It's like love. This this girl's doing this like mm-hmm. in her room, in her basement. She's still finding ways that sh- to pay me and to respect your work. Like they're so yeah. excited to work with you. Whereas the br- other brand, the large one with a budget, sends you a generic marketing pitch. Yeah, without your name like- in it. It's really like hard to navigate if you're new to the industry. I'll say that there are like different resources and there are lots of influencers who like have series on their profiles and who share about this. And I know that there's lots of TikToks that went viral this summer and creators that went viral because they were sharing like small influencer marketing tips and micro influencer marketing tips. And it's really great that people are sharing this kind of stuff because no one else will. And for example, there are like platforms. There's one called fuck you pay me like FYPM.com where it's a membership based platform. And just to join, to be a member, you have to disclose information about brands you've worked with and your rates and your experience with them. And then you get to read on the experience of other people working with brands. So you get insight into how much they've paid other people, for example. So there are different resources out there. You just have to kind of remember that this is work. It is an unprecedented industry. So you have to put in the work to find things out. But but there are like literal, there are resources out there. There's also courses that you can take. There's one that I took by a larger creator. She's a fashion blogger. And even though it felt like I kind of knew a lot of the big ideas she was talking about, reading in between the lines of that course really kind of helped me assert myself better as an entrepreneur or as someone who's like a freelance creative in this industry. So to assert myself better with work, to feel more like a professional in terms of like my accounting, my invoices, how I present myself to brands, my media kit, how I pitch myself, how I close off my emails, how I will leave things open-ended with a brand if things didn't go well, for example. So there's just so much to learn as well if you're willing to like go out there and research and put in the work and put in the trial and error to find out what works for you. No, I 100% agree. I feel like I've kind of had to also get information more on the influencer side, more on the like for the more like not technical, but the more like admin stuff because like Mm -hmm. in styling, there's like nothing. People don't talk about the rates. They don't talk about nothing. Like it's so hard to find information and sometimes, like, I spend hours, like, frantically looking for something to, like, help me, guide me. And, like, honestly, because thankfully I've kind of been able to always had an interest in seeing people who create content as, like, creatives and, like, entrepreneurs. Like, they've been willing to share what they do and it's kind of helping on the styling side where it's like I know like this is how I should send my invoice. Maybe I should charge mm-hmm. about this amount. Like, little things like that. There's things that we can take. If you're not quote unquote a content creator from the influencer side, because mm-hmm. the girls got it down. Oh, 100%. Like, for example, when I call myself a content creator, what I'm really calling myself is a model, a photographer, a makeup artist, a hair stylist, a stylist, an accountant, a creative director, a photo and video editor, like all of those things, because those are all of the things that you have to do behind a shoot if you're conducting a self-shoot as a content creator. If you're doing it without help, you literally have to do all of those things. Like, you have to have the admin skills to pitch and to navigate 
navigate the campaign with a brand. You have to have the accounting skills to navigate getting paid with their accounting team and to create invoices and to do all of your accounting. You have to have the styling skills to style and make sure everything is styled correctly during the shoot. Like there's just so much more that goes into it that people don't realize if you're doing this on a professional level. And even if you're not, like I know people who do all of that for fun just because it's a it's a fun way to express themselves. And that's kind of how I started is by setting up like styled shoots for fun and like using props and setting up these just concepts I had in my mind for fun and putting all of that work into it just because it paid off in a very like visually appealing way. And like once you got the shot or the work, once it was done, it was all worth it. You accomplished the vibe that you wanted to accomplish. Yeah, there's also like you guys have to negotiate be like the assistant to answer all the emails and all the things or whatever oh 100 i've heard of girls pretending to be their own managers because it helps them get paid more like i've heard some really whack stories in this industry of girls just trying to get paid for work that they do like girls who have been doing this for years girls who are just trying to get paid paid by brands who have the budget and the means to pay them and that's when it really gets frustrating it definitely does does i've i've even heard like some people who are in agencies get paid a lot more than like if they were freelance which is like it's like like there's so many terms that you don't even for example know of if you're not in the industry like for example talent agents whitelisting usage rights all of these things are really big terms that you can charge money for these are terms that need to be on the table for in terms of negotiation these are all things that you wouldn't for example know if you're just starting off without having done a lot of research or without having any experience or insight into the industry no 100 percent. and i think like what the podcast is all about is just not gatekeeping and i want to probably have a more in-depth conversation on kind of that side because i've heard so many girls and i feel like a lot of brands sometimes it seems like they prey on people who clearly don't have the information no, I think like, so many content. people get nervous and agree because they don't even know how to navigate those conversations. Like, yeah. I know I I have friends and I'm like, come on, like, you know, that's a big brand. They're like, I just couldn't. And I'm like, I like, I get it. Like, they show me the email. It's tricky. Everything's worded so differently. So, like, I think the biggest thing if you're in this industry is to have a media kit. So a media kit is kind of like a document that you can choose to have all of your information in regarding your page, your insights, your demographic, your audience insights sites, whatnot, your content. So one of my biggest tips is to really make your media kit have everything that you want the brand to know about you. So like write down all your details that you want the brand to know about you and then visually input those in a media kit. So for example, if you want the brand to know that you have a 90% female audience, make a little pie chart that shows 90% and write that in text because, and then put that very small, like that says it, that's all you need to say it on your media kit. If you want the brand to know that you get over 500 likes on your sponsored content, take a screenshot of your sponsored content and the likes on it and paste those photos in your media kit. You really have to kind of do the work. Like you kind of have to do more work um, if you're doing this by yourself, if that makes sense. If you don't have someone doing it for you, like you really have to go the extra mile for yourself. So that's probably my biggest piece of advice is like your biggest tool that you have is your media kit because brand reps will open that. They will glance that. They will glance at that. So you have like 30 seconds to make an impression. So make it count and make sure that has all of the information that you want to convey on it and in a like visually appealing way and in a way that makes it you so like I even for example have like my sizing 
on a media kit. So a brand will know right off the bat if their clothes will fit me or not. And like I highlight all of my strong suits on my media kit. So I'll highlight things like my engagement or the brands that I've worked with in a very visually appealing way. For example, like by including all of their logos on a small portion of it in black and white. But if you Google media kit templates, you can find a lot. And if you're willing to pay for some created by some larger bloggers, they can be really useful like starting points for you. But that's kind of your biggest tool. And then this your second biggest tool is honestly like research, finding out what like the different terms in the influencer marketing industry means. So different terms like what usage rights mean, what whitelisting means. Because when you're charging for content creation, you're not just charging for the photo. You're also charging for what the brand is going to do with the photo. And I think that that's where a lot of people, a lot of creators and freelancers are just losing money nowadays. And like, I'll admit, I'm still really finding it hard to navigate that because I get to a point where I'm like, I'm just happy that they're willing to pay me for the content. So it can be really, really tricky. However, if the brand has budget, they should be able to have budget and to respect your different rates as a content creator because that is what they're paying for. They're paying for marketing materials. They're going to use these photos on their websites, on their newsletters, on their social media and whatnot. So they need to pay for those usage rights because if they were using them or gathering these images from anywhere else, they would be paying for that. Yeah, like a, a good way to see it too is that for the content that you guys are creating, they would have to hire a makeup artist, a stylist, a photographer, a this, exactly. When you guys are creating that content that might be a little bit more relatable to a, a everyday consumer, everyday audience, right? Because like there's that point of contact again where when I work on set for a campaign, it's it's a little different because it feels a little bit unaccessible. Like I'm creating a campaign. I'm not creating something that's necessarily supposed to be relatable. It's more like mm-hmm. making the clothes look appealing where you'd like, you'd want to buy it. Whereas exactly, yeah. when content creators create content, they make the clothes be something that people want to wear. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's also interesting because there's two elements of it when it comes down to getting paid for your work essentially because not only are you sharing something with your audience but like you mentioned like you're doing your makeup you're doing your hair you're doing all this stuff you're producing content so we also have to value how much work goes into the production of content because that's really something that you truly don't understand unless you've worked in this industry so there's two different elements of also getting paid and for example I only realized this when the pandemic arose and when I started to gain pitches for content creation where I didn't have to post for for brands where they just needed help because of the pandemic for people to shoot their clothes so that they can post those photos on their website. So for e-com essentially. So I started just working with a few brands, like literally unpaid at first, just to start off, just to navigate that um, and see how I like that. And then I realized how much money there is to be made in content creation. If you're an influencer where you don't even have to post, you're literally just creating content for brands because you do it so well and you do it in a way that's more relatable. And like chances are you'll end up posting or the brands will tag you. So you'll be able to garner that more authentic relationship with your audience anyway. So there are, for example, different ways to make money as a content creator, as a quote unquote influencer in this industry as well. Yeah, there's so there's multiple ways. And there's some people who manage like other people's like uh, brands, um, social media, like there's so many ways because like the work that content creators do, influencers do is actually valuable um, mm-hmm. not just in the fashion world, but like in other different aspects. And Exactly. They have so much insight because they've been like showing up and doing this work every day. Like you have to know social media trends to be able to have your content be successful, to be able to have 
an engaged audience on social media. Brands are not going to necessarily want to work with you if you're if your content isn't like quote unquote successful on social media, if that makes sense. I, I agree. I totally agree. Cause just like even someone who's talked to brands and things like that, like that's something that I pick up on. Like maybe not, I'm not really into trends like that, but like you see what people want. Right. So then you mm-hmm. s- start seeing the patterns. Like if, you know, every time people are posting chunky shoes, the, the engagement goes up. Like, you know, that's something that, that's valuable or whatever like maybe at some point it was like i think now like the coffee in the hand pictures are like doing really good like there's little things like that that people just gravitate towards so like that's something that if you're working on the brand side like you'll look at and you'll be like okay we need to work with this type of person because she understands what the audience is looking exactly yeah it's like a valuable position where that influencers are in where like they don't give themselves enough credit and like because also this like position has also been stigmatized and for example I'm saying all of this and giving all of this insight where I don't even have 10,000 followers on Instagram I don't I don't even think I have 8,000 followers if that Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm -hmm. but I've been able to do this and like do it as work now and to be able to work with brands on a paid basis just by being persistent enough and like putting in the time and work and just like figuring it out with trial and error if that makes sense I have one last question for you because you kind of talked about you know going to different aspects of the fashion industry in a perfect world what is Kaisa doing so in a perfect world like my dream job I think the first one it's gonna sound so cliche but my dream job is mom um so like in the perfect world it's like mom and then like either like creative director or something ceo or creative director like it's ceo of my own brand and founder of my own brand or creative director of something that i'm honored and proud to be a part of that's the dream i love that for you oh yeah those are the two job titles i want because mom (laughs) is also mom isn't even a job title it's a life sentence like a job you can you can you can go home from you can't go home from being a mom so um how many kids do you want how many kids do I want, like, realistically? Or how many kids am I going to have? There's a difference. Oh, there's a difference. Yeah, so I, like, I'm Pakistani. And traditionally, Pakistani people have a whole lot of kids. Like, my mom grew up in a house with nine siblings. And that's, like, the norm. I grew mm-hmm. up in a house where there's four of us. I think, realistically, I'd probably have two. But I would mm-hmm. love to have four. I just think that's a lot of work. And I just don't think that lifestyle's for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I think two is much more like on par with my life. But I don't think you can like plan these things, to be honest. Like wherever life goes, life goes. I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna be really honored to be a mom one day. Yeah, you can only hope. Exactly. Yeah. And like, who knows what that's gonna look like even. So, but yeah, mom and creative director or like CEO slash founder of my own thing. Yeah, I would love to see it. Uh, What about you? What is the dream for you? Because, like, I love your work. I'm so inspired by you and everything you do. Don't make me cry. Um, What is the dream? There's Mm -hmm. obviously, like, things that I want to do. But, like, I don't know if I would... There's, like, a title that I'm necessarily looking for. Um, No, that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely want to have my brand, um, which I'm working on right now. Obviously, keep going with this podcast. Like, it's been really fun. And hopefully, like, scale it on something bigger. I'd love to have a book one day. I already have the title for the book. I don't know what it would be about. It's kind of funny. Um, I love that. <laughs> I'd love to, one of my biggest, biggest, biggest dream is I would love to create a, some sort of organization that would be linked with my clothing brand. And it would essentially be helping underprivileged uh, youth develop their artistic skills and helping them make money off of it because I know for sure like I would have loved to be able to make money off of like the things that I created and like 
as a part-time thing in high school or something like that mm-hmm. and I know for for sure that like I'm so fortunate to live in Canada because I probably wouldn't been able to do what I'm doing if I was living back home that's just the reality so I'd love to start doing that and then kind of scale it to my country and I'd love to create a manufacturer in my country where they would be able to make clothes and they would actually get paid because like my mom grew up making clothes being a seamstress and that's something that's very like prominent in Haiti all the manufacturers are U.S. owned so I want to be able to just give the money you guys figure out how you want to make this happen just because I don't want to put my my experience as someone who lived in the west that's very colonized even though I'm doing the work to decolonize myself and come back and be like this is how things should be because I don't know Mm -hmm. how things should be because I never lived there so I would just want to like create it and just be like here's the money you want to like give them that opportunity instead of it being like an opportunity for yourself exactly so and that could be a way that specifically women could make a living and feel mm-hmm. safe and that that's definitely something I'd want to do so there's a list of things I want to do I just yeah no, I don't know why I went to titles specifically <laughs> I have a long list like I want to I want to try everything honestly I want to like go everywhere I want to try everything and then I want to do my own stuff so I want to have my own brand I want to figure things out and if it doesn't work out being what I end up doing forever like that's fine I just I want to be able to be true to myself like that's just Mm -hmm. what I want I just want to live in truth and uh, expression of self and that's 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 what I want so I know that right now what I'm doing is very like much aligned with my truth and how I feel but maybe in like 20 years I'm probably going to be over styling I think I'm starting to get over styling well styling is maybe like an, an interesting just like position to get into the fashion industry like for example that's how I look at content creation it's a very yeah. unique opportunity to insert myself in this industry that I would have no way of inserting myself into before if that makes sense no that's that's fair I think it's just like with styling has been really hard so it's kind of been like challenging for me to be like oh my god do I even see myself doing this like for the next five ten years but that might be just something temporary. I think I'm starting to get out of the slump. Who knows? Maybe in five years, ten years, it might not be my thing and I'll be moving on to something else. I just want to be able to create. Mm-hmm. I love how like one of your goals is to have an organization to give back because I think it's so troublesome how minorities truly take up like such a small percentage of the fashion industry. I think it's like around 10% of execs in this industry like are visual minorities like racial minorities for example like that's just troublesome for example exactly exactly so I think that there there really needs to be more done in place and like we need to start er earlier with youth for example with programs in schools and whatnot in the fashion industry to be more inclusive so I think that it's great that people like like you are are thinking about like ways to give back and ways that you can like navigate that for yourself yeah and I just want to make like I just want people to feel like it's possible to have a career in something creative I think Mm -hmm. I would start in the fashion thing and probably dive into other things like writing like I love writing painting like stuff like that and have people who have expertise in those areas and have been able to make it be something that's full-time because even like to this day like even as much as I'm putting so much of my energy and time sometimes I'm like can I even do this like full-time can I actually live off of this like for real for real and not have to do like 
other shit like no I literally struggle with that like I work multiple jobs and it's because I have to I know like few content creators who do it full-time and the ones who do say that it's like very unstable work if you're just doing content creation alone even if you have a very large audience or even if you've done it for a few years so I think that's why so many people in this industry like myself are very open to other career paths and are Mm. like looking as this as a stepping stone maybe or as just an opportunity to figure out the next step what is interesting i found that the people who i admire the most in their creative creativity and their art and have like they usually are doing like other types of art and they touch so many different types of creative outlets Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. And I think you don't have to specifically stick to one. Like, you can explore other things. And so that's why, like, if one day I decide to theme make music, I want to be able to... No, exactly. I think it's so interesting because so many people think of, like, people who show up on Instagram or people who work in the fashion industry as being, like, very shallow or surface level. But some of the most multidimensional people have been people that I've met in this space. And they really, like, do surprise you. People in this space are so creative, so multidimensional, like, so profound. It's just... Yeah, it's just like there's that's I think probably my favorite aspect about it is literally connecting with other creatives and learning through other creatives. Mm -hmm. It's just there's nothing like it. Yeah, like for me, like the styling thing, it's never about the looks. Like I think anyone can make a decent look. Like I can. Oh, for sure. You could also just like gather inspiration. You can follow a formula to make a like perfect outfit, if that makes sense. For sure. I think like anyone could do what I do, but it's just like the connections that I have with people, like the conversations that I have with people, like life-changing like life-changing okay, I I don't think anyone could do what you do because <laughs> you don't literally just also put together an outfit there's so much more that goes into it but yes it, there's so much more because like you mentioned it's an art so there's so much more that goes into styling and the styling process versus like putting together a look if that makes sense yeah but like I don't know I just don't see it as what I'm doing as particularly hard like sometimes people are like how did you come up with that I'm just like you're like I, I know, dreamt like about it, just, it last night. It just like happened. literally, it just it just came to me in the shower. Um, no, my boyfriend gets so surprised at some of my looks sometimes. And like, for example, like I'm on a kick with the color green, and I'll just get inspired by something and try it. Like my style is very playful right now, and very like well playful within within limits um anyway so my boyfriend will be like I you literally hated green like last year and now it's the only color you've worn like this month and I'm like yeah I watched (laughs) a movie or yeah I saw one photo and I now like now I like the color green like we're okay with it yeah he's like okay (laughs) so point is guys if you I always say if if something lights up your soul if something makes your heart tickle like it's worth pursuing no a hundred percent like you have to do and like go where you feel alive and where you feel like you belong and like do what lights up your your heart and your soul for sure like this stuff is the stuff that's inspired me and the stuff that I've been passionate about since I was a little kid like I literally get to play dress up some days for a living which is really fun to me and like that makes it all worth it and to me that's like everything Kaiser before we leave where can people find you uh you can follow me on instagram that's my main platform so it's just my full name k-y-s-a-b-a-s-h-i-r thank you so much for having me it was so exciting to do this no problem Thank you guys so much for listening in on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and you can find us on all platforms at the Fashion Fopa Podcast. And find us individually at Yasisaya on Instagram. And Kim Bernie with two E's at the end on Instagram. Everything will be linked in the show notes below. Make sure to subscribe and give us a review. 
and we'll see you guys on the next one.